Hey everyone, we are back for season six of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Marina Buxov, a functional medicine pharmacist and holistic herbal educator. I'll be sharing inspiring stories of my guests who have shifted into holistic modalities, both personally and professionally. My co-host, Dr. Jenna Carmichael, will be joining me to lead the Journal Club episodes to share an evidence-based approach to holistic and herbal medicine. I'm so glad you're here and hope you enjoy the show. Hey everyone, we're entering one of my favorite seasons of the year and are just coming off the whimsical shenanigans of Halloween, which is my son's favorite holiday. And I have just a delightful treat in store for you today, where I interview one of my colleagues and student ambassadors for my herbal training program. Dr. Sarah Shore Anderson is the founder of Thrive RX Consulting LLC. She designs clinical teams and strategy for novel collaborative wellness solutions within health tech startup companies. She utilizes her background in leadership, health coaching, managed care pharmacy, pharmaceutical outcomes, and global health and wellness engagement in the development of integrative pharmacist-led services. Additionally, Dr. Anderson is an independent consultant with the Farm to Table team where she develops, promotes, and offers functional medicine and health coaching services. Previously, she created a managed care pharmacy residency program and pharmaceutical outcomes clinical manager position at Medica Health Plans, developed the pharmacist health coach role at Red Brick Health Virgin Pulse, and was a coaching team manager managing pharmacist health coaches and condition management nurse coaches. Dr. Anderson has a doctor of pharmacy degree with an emphasis in leadership from the University of Minnesota, is a nationally board certified health and wellness coach and clinical herbalist. So without further ado, let's welcome Sarah to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I have a very dear friend and colleague on today. Her name is Dr. Sarah Shore Anderson, and she's a consultant pharmacist, but so much more. So I'm really excited to talk about her path and how she really paved her way and used all these opportunities as gifts. Even if at the moment they didn't seem like a gift, she somehow turned them into a gift. So I Really welcome you, Sarah, to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Happy to uh, talk with everyone here this morning. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's my absolute pleasure. So let's just get into what I ask everybody on the show, which is really like how you grew up, how you got into pharmacy in the first place, how your journey really started. Yeah, that's um, a great question. So I grew up in Rochester, Minnesota, so home of the Mayo Clinic. Um, every, all of my neighbors and everyone kind of in my neighborhood, their parents either worked at IBM or Mayo. Those were, you know, the, the two entities in Rochester, Minnesota. So I had the good fortune um, throughout high school and undergrad to shadow in various medical areas. I knew I was interested in science. I knew I was interested in some sort of medical profession. Um, so really had the opportunity, you know, at a fairly young age um, to shadow physical therapists, physician assistants, pharmacists, um, the whole kind of gamut um, of when you think of comprehensive care and the different um, credentials of folks and the different backgrounds and professions that one can have in the medical field. Um, so that was something that I really took advantage of as far as shadowing different folks uh, in the medical field to kind of pinpoint where I wanted to go post 
college. And um, I do have a, a fond memory as well of um, meeting with my advisor in undergrad. Uh, he kind of advised everyone who was in a biomedical studies concentration, which I was. And he gave me a book because I said, you know, I was interested in pharmacy after shadowing various pharmacists. And he gave me a book about pharmacy careers and just the plethora outside of retail and hospital, you know, thinking about research, thinking about nuclear pharmacy, thinking about entrepreneurship, thinking about working at a health plan or a PBM, thinking about pharma. So it really listed out um, a plethora of pathways of pharmacists, both traditional and non-traditional pathways, which um, intrigued me. And I read that thing front to back, <laughs> you know, and made notes about what intrigued me about each of those paths and what maybe, you know, no, I, knowing what I didn't want to do or what I didn't like as well. Um, and then the other thing that I feel like as at a young age that informed kind of how I've created this path for myself. Um, so my dad worked at IBM. And he, I remember at night, you know, we would be in the family room, you know, watching a TV show or something, and he would be reviewing artificial intelligence patents for IBM. And I just remember thinking, wow, that's so cool. You get to have your eyes on like some new, new technology and new processes that are being developed for IBM and you get to have input into that. I'm like, I just thought that was so neat while I never saw, you know, the exact um, exact details of what that looked like. I just thought that was so cool, like reviewing new things that don't yet exist that are trying to fill a gap um, for people to better processes and make better, um, make improvements to things, et cetera. So I kind of also take have taken that with me into um, how I've paved my path and developed out my career thus far. Wow, I love that. And I think that's so nice that you had that because I always hear from people like, oh, I was, you know, at a loss. And usually you don't hear about, you know, these advisors that actually lay out this plethora of options. And I really love the idea of, um, you know, getting building the excitement for it and also having like the choose your own adventure and like, here's what's possible. And the application base, because sometimes it's so hard to picture like what is a pharmacist, because even my own, you know, high school teachers would pigeonhole it when they heard that I was going into pharmacy. They were like, you want to count pills? <laughs> like, how is that, you know, not a waste of a talent right there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, I, I felt very yeah lucky to kind of have some of those um, I don't know, I guess, non-traditional seeds planted, if you will, early on, or just know what is, you know, knowing what is possible versus kind of, you don't know what you don't know. So it was great to have some of, um, some key learnings and some resources early on to kind of open my eyes to things beyond um, what you think of as traditional pharmacy. I love that. So what were your next steps as far as applying to pharmacy school and how that experience went for you? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in my um, senior year of undergrad, I uh, you know, took the PCAT, applied for pharmacy school. Um, I really only applied to two or three um, pharmacy schools because I just wanted to stay in the Midwest and, and stay close. So the U of M was kind of my, my primary kind of ultimate choice. Um, but I ended up getting 
placed on the ranked waiting list. So there was a, a ranked waiting list, an unranked waiting list, you know, lots of waiting lists. But I was placed on the ranked waiting list. And so I found this out, I don't know, probably April or May, right, right, a, you know, a month or two prior to graduation. And so I knew it wasn't guaranteed that I'd be pulled off the ranked waiting list for the coming fall. So I thought, well, I better figure out how else I can use my skills and strengths and find out other areas of interest um, to be able to get a job post undergrad. So I attended a career fair that was um, promoted by my college and I found a a health and wellness coach who was developing a coaching program for a local health plan. And uh, they were kind of just turning the disease state management model on its head. Um, and really previously that health plan had been uh, contracted out with a disease state management vendor. And now they were looking to build in-house a health coaching program to create a more holistic approach to helping cope and manage conditions. So I, I thought that sounded interesting. So after that career fair, after learning about it, after meeting the person who was um, interviewing, I submitted my application, got an interview, um, and got hired on as, as part of one of the first cohorts of coaches that was onboarded for um, this coaching program and developing it out at a health plan. Um, and that's really where I received my health coach training um, our, the Center for Spirituality and Healing through the University of Minnesota was kind of our primary curriculum. So we had a few months dedicated just towards learning about health coaching and the principles and the skills um, and strategies that one uses in health coaching. And then um, that October, we launched that program um, for the health plan and began, you know, taking um, individuals on a one-to-one -one basis um, virtually through the phone for our health coaching program. Uh, and then fast forward, I, you know, actually, as I started that job, which was about end of summer, I want to say August, I got pulled off the ranked waiting list at the U. Um, so I wrote a letter to the dean just saying, you know, I've already committed to this job. Um, I intend to work here for a year. And then, um, you know, would you allow me to be accepted into your incoming class the following fall? And that was approved. So I kind of knew from the get go that I had pharmacy school in my back pocket for the coming year and that I could have this year off, which was kind of a blessing in disguise because I... A really appreciated having a year of not not no school after you know being in school for so long, um, making some money, and then also, you know, having had that health coach background has really led me to where I am today. Um, you know, I'm a nationally board certified health and wellness coach, in addition to a pharmacist, um, and in addition to a clinical herbalist, thanks to you and your program, Marina. So, um, so yeah, it's just interesting when you look back and see that some things that are maybe you think of as failures or mistakes or less than ideal happenings, you know, can actually be blessings in disguise and really are opening doors for you to get where you um, ultimately end up and to help others realize their potential as well and how um, different kind of connections that are made or different things that you learn along the way all have a purpose and can all be transferable skills really with whatever twists and turns your career takes. Yeah, I love that because it's it's like the saying when one door closes, a window opens or whatever variation of that saying that yeah. you like. Uh, and for you, that was really true because it could have 
taken you down for like, you know, this whirlwind of disappointment and failure, like, oh, I didn't get accepted. And, you know, who knows what that spiraling negativity could have led you to, or maybe even inaction, but instead you decided to pivot and go somewhere else. And again, you know, be led by your curiosity as to like what else you're drawn to. And I think to highlight the power of like these events that you attended, the networking, even you reaching out to the Dean, you know, to kind of negotiate for your future. So I really commend you on taking all those initiatives. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, again, I feel like just kind of get lost when things don't go exactly as planned. There's like no backup plan, you know? Right, right, right. Exactly. Yes. And I think, again, I'm just always kind of looking at, yeah, like that, that potential, where are opportunities, what are, what's um, available to be explored um, and just kind of see how, how all those things can interweave with one another. And um, it's kind of, it just makes for a, a fun journey and a fun life experience and career experience when you have, um, you know, some people kind of question like, why, you know, why do this? Or why are we doing this versus, you know, why not do this? Why not? So there's kind of that different, um, I guess, attitude or mentality or mindset um, with with looking at things kind of as a, a glass half full or glass half empty type of type of situation. Yeah. And I really believe you can see it as both. Right. You know, like just logically speaking, it is both. But I always ask, well, which way would I rather perceive it? Right. What's a better what makes me feel better looking at it as half full or half empty? And that's the one that you want to go with. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because being right is not always like the best. Right. Just because you're right doesn't mean you're happy about it. Right. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Uh huh. 100%. So I want to ask you, Sarah, what do you attribute this kind of quality of yours? Like, were you taught to just look at life as a glass half full? Or how did you come to these conclusions and making these choices for yourself? Yeah, um, you know, I think so. So uh, my mom, you know, I grew up, my mom had multiple sclerosis. And she was diagnosed at age 23 before I was even born. Um, and I just remember, you know, growing up um, with her and, and how she managed her disease and how she remained optimistic and hopeful and really, you know, did all she could for herself in a proactive way um, to best manage her condition. And um, for example, you know, I would wake up in the morning as a little girl and I would see her, you know, she would have an exercise mat laid out in the hallway and she would be doing, you know, free weights and her stretches with her bands and doing as much as far as like keeping up with her mobility and strength that she could, knowing that, you know, for example, with MS, once you start losing function or losing strength, it's hard to regain that and hard to get it back. Um, so kind of having that, I guess, determination and persistent attitude, um, you know, that came from her and kind of the tenacity and grit that came from her. Um And also, I think, you know, again, you know, I remember her saying, you know, she would attend different groups with with other individuals with MS. And sometimes it would be kind of feel like a complaining session or feel like everyone was uh, sharing why they're a victim of XYZ. And so that was something, you know, something my mom was very cognizant and aware of, you know, she didn't want to 
portray herself as a victim or like feel that you feel like you're having unproductive conversation or discussion around your disease state um, that isn't, you know, it isn't moving anything forward or isn't helping you mentally or physically. So um, I feel like she was very cognizant to um, be optimistic, but not like in a Pollyanna, I always have to be positive sort of way. Um, so just kind of looking at what 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 you can do with what you have, I guess. Um, and so that's some key principles, I guess, when it comes to my career journey that I kind of took to heart and implemented, whether that was consciously or unconsciously um, throughout throughout my decision making process when it, or, or um, I guess to like mindset process when I'm looking at different happenings that have happened in my life. Yeah, mindset is certainly key. And it sounds like you had a great role model to show you that every cloud has a silver lining. And even though we can't control everything, we really just need to surrender to what we can't and take mm-hmm. excellent control over what we can and yes. really keep focusing on that. Yes, yes, exactly. Yep. And I think, you know, that's really, that's really something that, yeah, can be powerful when you put that into practice in whatever area of life you are um, trying to manage through or going through, whether it's personal or professional or interrelational or at work, et cetera. So, yeah, I think that's, those are some good um, key tidbits and pearls to, um, to be able to reflect on, I guess, and and see how that can how that can help you or, or be of value to you in whatever you're going through. Yeah, and I always also go back to the saying: "How you do one thing is how you do everything." Yeah, or how you do anything is how you do everything. So, like paying attention to like the patterns that we have and how they play out in all areas of our life. And this is really bringing me back to the new training, the coaching that I just completed about positive intelligence. Yeah, it can be applied in so many ways and in health too, right? Your mindset is everything. That's why we hear about placebo and nocebo and how significant that plays a role. So it's where we start everything and how we build up on that mindset to give us results. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Well, I love that you're doing that positive intelligence training. That's so interesting. I love, you know, reading, uh, reading books about emotional intelligence, positive intelligence, positive psychology, all of that. So that's really cool that you are, you're diving into that. Yes. And I want to go back to your journey. So when you took this health coaching position, first of all, that was a little bit of a leap of faith, right? Because this must've been one of the first, like, pilots and frontiers about a payer kind of paying out for these services. So that is really, really exciting. Number yeah. one, to land in a place like that. Um, number two, um, how did you commit to having pharmacy still in your back pocket? And at, at any point, did you question like, do I still even need pharmacy? Should I just keep going with the coaching? Like, what was your thought process here? Yeah. Um, So, you know, while I was at the health plan, um, they obviously had a pharmacy services department as well. So while I was there for that year in the health coaching department, which was all a part of our total population management health team or larger team sector, if you will, um, I did talk with a couple of the pharmacists in the pharmacy services department just to ask them about 
their background and what led them to here and what do they love about their job there. Um, you know, I remember one, I remember really um, vividly one of the pharmacists that I sat down with in the refreshment area there. She talked about how, you know, in college, she always thought she was going to go to nursing school and that, um, you know, that she just thought that that would be how it would plan out, pan out. Um, and I think it, at the time she, um, she had also done kind of some networking and learning more about pharmacy from um, various connections and individuals and, you know, decided that that was more for her compared to the, the nursing route. Um, so it was, in, and then hearing about work-life balance and other aspects of, you know, when it comes to thinking about a career long-term of how that impacts your life and how that impacts what you can prioritize and what you can place value on. Um, that was just really interesting to me. So, so I think having still continued to connect with pharmacists while I was in my health coaching role um, was one thing that kept me excited and interested in continuing um, to go to pharmacy school. I also, I think I, I was, it was interesting because when I, when I started pharmacy school and started learning about medication therapy management and pharmaceutical care and all of that, I really saw the connection and parallel with health coaching and what I was learning. And so I, I also, I continued to work for a few hours a week at the health plan as a health coach in their department while I was in pharmacy school. And as I was working and as I was learning, just seeing how those paths really overlap and how you can really utilize those skills and strategies that you learn as a health coach when interacting with any individual or patient or whatnot um, to really ultimately create kind of that whole person holistic approach and view and touching on all those dimensions of well-being are important really for any healthcare professional to do, whether you're an MD or a PharmD or um, a physical therapist or whatnot. So um, I really um, was grateful and thankful and appreciated kind of having that comprehensive holistic view and lens going into pharmacy school because that really helped me helped me bring focus to what I was interested in learning in pharmacy school, which really was MTM and pharmaceutical care, as well as managed care, having worked at a health plan um, and in a business setting. Um, so I really tailored all of the extracurricular things I did or you know, forums or presentations or meetings or project work towards those two areas of, of pharmaceutical care and managed care. Yeah, you'd certainly seem to have worked out a frame through which that to digest and direct the pharmacy material. So that must have been extremely beneficial to you. And you also mentioned that you had a board certification. So what do you think is the advantage of getting board certified uh, in health coaching or in anything for that matter? And why did you make the decision? And would you advise other pharmacists to get board certified? Yeah, yeah, I would, you know, so as far as, you know, health coaching is a relatively, you know, young field compared to a lot of other healthcare professionals, professions. Um, and so the National Nationally Board Certified Health and Wellness Coaching, NBCHWC, is really um, playing out to be the gold standard for health and wellness coaching. So in order to continue to um, kind of create rigor and create um, authority, if you will, around health coaching, um, being NBCHWC certified, showcasing that you've gone through relevant and um, 
as in-depth training as appropriate um, per for prior to applying for the NBCHWC, um, I think can really showcase the um, the expertise and experience that you have because you need so many hours of health coaching um, as well as specific trainings that are um, NBCHWC approved. Um, and the fact that they the NBCHWC organization is really the organization that um, created the first exam uh, for people to pass and then showcase that they uh, have earned the credentials. So I I got it um, for you know both personally for myself as well as for the organization I was working at. Um, after the health plan, I went to a small startup health and wellness engagement company, um, and we um, ultimately um, paid for people to get their NBCHWC so that everyone kind of had that similar background and um, you know we had that authority to say all of our coaches have this NBCHWC certification, et cetera. So. Um, and as far as other healthcare professionals getting it, yeah, I think it really brings light and brings verbiage and words to different strategies, um, you know, thinking of, you know, like the BJ Fogg model or thinking about motivational interviewing, thinking about um, authentic listening, how there's a continuum of directing, guiding and listening. And, you know, oftentimes healthcare professionals are on that directing end versus the guiding or listening end and knowing what's most appropriate when. Um, and and then just thinking about people's motivation and readiness to change and what's their ultimate vision for themselves. Really thinking about all those good um, open-ended questions, entering conversations and, and consultations with patients uh, from a sense of curiosity, really wanting to hear from them, learning from them about what their goals are, what their vision is for their life, how their health um, intersects with those goals and motivations and visions. So um, I think, yeah, I think it's an excellent certification for any healthcare professional to have. And it really is um, accessible, I would say, as far as there's a lot of different opportunities to be able to get the certification, whether it's an in-person class, an online class, um, on, on demand versus live. I think there are a certain number of live hours you need, but um, I think it is doable for any working professional to find a curriculum that would suit them in their lifestyle. Awesome. So is this only open to healthcare professionals or what are the prerequisites to apply to this? Um, yes. So that's a very good question. So I think I think you need to um, showcase what your what your history and background is, or what what um, kind of healthcare professional uh, licenses you hold. Um, but I think it's a very like wide range as to you know social work, psychologists. Um, I'm just thinking of a lot of the folks that I you know personal trainers. Um, so really. Anything I feel like that's kind of health related, whether, you know, anything from an MD to a personal trainer, to a dietitian, to a psychologist, social worker, et cetera. So um, wide range. Okay. So not necessarily a, a licensed healthcare provider, but could be more open-ended than that, it sounds like. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. So what what is your personal take? This is kind of a challenging question, I think, because there's some gray areas, right, around like 
where does health coaching fit in and where can you put on your licensed health professional hat versus like, where does the coaching come in and should these be separate, you know, which is how they have been like, like leave it to the health coaches and you do your thing that you're licensed to do. Like what have you found, like, as far as embodying both, right. And there being this program that certifies both and like what's kind of the general consensus maybe you've researched it for your state specifically so if you could Mm -hmm. kind of just speak on that yeah you know that's a really good question I feel like um you know kind of ensuring that people that you're working with like understand and know your background and then also know your scope so if someone's coming to you specifically for um, a health coaching program or X number of health coaching consultations, um, really being clear that for the most, you know, you're wearing your health coaching hat versus your pharmacist hat. Now, if red flags come up or things that need require urgent attention um, from your medical training and background, if those red flags come up, definitely, you know, sharing what those red flags are and trying to seek best next steps and things like that um, in urgent and immediate uh, uh, situations. Um, But I think as long as, I think too, making sure people understand what a health coach's scope is. So, um, you know, the NBCHWC website has um, a good page that talks about scope. Um, So, so oftentimes I've seen, you know, contracts where, um, you know, the contract will specifically say, you know, while I'm a pharmacist and a health coach, um, the, our purposes for this program or this set of consultations is to focus on um, health coaching, focusing on, you know, what y- you and you're, you're the expert on your own health. You're in the driver's seat, not me. I'm here to help unco- ask those questions to help uncover um, what is getting in the way or what barriers and challenges can be worked around and what's, what's a plan A, what's a plan B, um, and what are small steps to help you get to that goal. And a lot of times I find, you know, it is helping them draft um, questions to ask their doctor that they wouldn't otherwise know to draft. And some of that can be informed by my pharmacy background as far as, um, you know, if, for example, I feel like if they're on, um, you know, multiple medications for multiple conditions and, you you know, you're aware of the fact that there might be a medication that you can kill two birds with one stone and one of their goals is to decrease their their pill burden, then that maybe is something you have them ask their doctor, like, hey, is there, you know, if I've heard about a medication that might treat both of these conditions, um, you know, does that, would that be appropriate for me to try? What what would be the pros or cons of that? So that's an example, I guess, I feel like where you're still in your coaching scope, but it's being informed by your pharmacy background, but you're not telling them switch to this medication, if that makes sense. So um. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my take. I think it is tricky and it is a, you know, gray line as to what's with what's if you have that health coaching background and a pharmacy background or any other medical background, you know, I feel like it would be a disservice to the patient um, when you're wearing your medical hat to not incorporate those health coaching principles and vice versa in a way too. If you're doing health coaching and different things come up as it relates to their goals and vision um, that is medication related, again, you're not um, directing or telling them what they should do, but you're providing them with the tools, resources, and questions to 
better inform themselves of the plethora of options, again, available to them, the opportunities that they can explore as it relates to more medical issues. Yeah, I really appreciate that insight. And I think in general, pharmacy scope is also pretty limited, right? We can't prescribe or deprescribe for the most part without another provider signing off, nor are we considered a provider for the most part either. Right, um, right. You know, so it, it, we're kind of limited already in our definition of what a pharmacist can do. And then when a pharmacist is also a health coach, we kind of have to operate from that as well. And as long as if you're operating privately, there's a lot of disclaimers, you know, and, and legally, like we're telling people what we're doing and which hat we're wearing. That's kind of how I've been navigating it and teaching others about that as well. Um, but when you are getting employed, right, because you were employed by this company, is there an advantage to having both a medical background and a health coaching if you're for the most part operating as a health coach? Yeah, you know, I think there is because there are, you know, companies that are looking for, for example, condition management nurse coaches where they all have nursing backgrounds or like even specific, you know, like, for example, um, healthy pregnancy coaching. Oftentimes they're looking for nurses, for example, who have specific um, pregnancy, infant care uh, experience and maybe in a clinic or hospital setting in the, in the past, for example. Um, and in the case of, you know, when I created the pharmacist coach role, they were looking for a pharmacist to really help empower individuals to ask those important questions of their doctor to ultimately help resolve drug therapy problems and um, ultimately, you know, improve quality of life and decrease healthcare spend on the individual and the system both. So, um, so yeah, I do think that um, companies are looking for folks with various medical backgrounds and specifically too, you know, a lot of times coaching can be really pigeonholed. So, you know, like diabetes coaching or um, weight loss coaching. And so um, oftentimes if there's companies that are specifically focused on a specific disease state, um, then your experience, whether you're a pharmacist or a nurse or a counselor or social worker, if you've had experience in that specific space um, or disease state, you know, would, would ultimately help you out when you're applying for jobs, depending on if you want to stay more vague and stay more broad versus um, be real specific in a specific specialty area that you want to practice within. Yeah. And we are already conducting MTM, Medication Therapy Management Services, and we are already also partnering up as pharmacists in PBMs and care companies, managed care. So mm -hmm. I do think it's kind of like intuitive that we could bridge some of those gaps too with coaching. Um, so I'm excited to see what the future holds. And I'm hoping that the definitions and the scopes will get more and more clear so that we can be confident offering these services and really serving people because we know that medications and polypharmacy and interactions and all of these things do happen. So yeah. they're a burden on our healthcare costs. And we don't want people to come back to the hospital if there is a medication error. We also don't want them to have to take, you know, so many medications when we could maybe opt and optimize it with fewer, yeah. or we can add on those lifestyle changes, chan changes. 
so that we can de-prescribe even more and have people just focus on a more holistic and preventative approach. Yes. Yep, exactly. And I think, you know, that is really, that is really important. And there are so many people, I feel like more and more who are wanting to, uh, and are committed to focusing on their lifestyle habits, knowing that that involves behavior change. And that involves kind of understanding your habits and understanding why you do what you do in order to unravel that if, if need be and, and create new patterns and habits. Um, and, you know, I feel like a ton of people too are looking more into natural and complementary therapies like herbalism or acupuncture or chiropractic care, or what have you, um, as far as, you know, kind of, again, kind of having that mindset of why not, <laughs> you know, may- maybe this will or will not work for me. But if I'm, you know, in pain, for example, why not try X, Y, and Z to complement what I'm already doing from a more medical standpoint? Um, and I think that's kind of a great attitude to have because I think that oftentimes um, various modalities work for various individuals and there's no harm in trying, for the most part, most likely, oftentimes there's no harm in trying something um, to see if it works synergistically or as a complement to um, what you've already been prescribed or what you've already been doing. Yeah, I have to agree, Sarah. And the thing is, most of these things are actually pretty accessible. A lot of times they're free, right? The most like pivotal things like good sleep, you know, time out in nature, good quality air, like for the most part, they're either, you know, low cost or free herbs are pretty low cost, you know, some of the other services like chiropractor, acupuncture, are of course, um, sometimes, you know, could be costly, but some insurances are now having, you know, some coverage or yeah. like, um, you know, a flexible payment plan that you can have, like the flexible yeah. spending cash that some insurance right. offer. Because when you think about it, the only reason why pharmaceutical is like the number one thing that we offer is because insurances are involved and they yeah. offer pharmaceuticals. So the why not becomes like, well, because my insurance won't cover it. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the most limiting factor. So I love that you had the experience where people were paying for the health coaching, you know, as a model. And now we could apply it to maybe other modalities and really show in an evidence-based way, like what are these other, you know, modalities and complementary alternative offering as far as results so that maybe we can start to pay for some of those things or make them more, uh, even more accessible than they are, or at least offer people those options and the education around them. So then they could decide whether or not to spend their time, money, or energy on these things. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I'm in a hundred percent agreement. Yes. So uh, this is a great segue to ask you why you chose to study functional medicine and herbalism and what you're doing now, as far as your own services that you're providing. Yeah. So um, a couple of years ago, you know, I was feeling um, because our, our, kind of small startup company emerged and was acquired by a larger global company. And I was starting to feel kind of stuck in my role, um, feeling like I wasn't using my strengths in the way that I wanted to be, um, and was just feeling too a little bit removed from the pharmacy community as far as, you know, I had a couple of pharmacist colleagues, um, but other than that, I, you know, didn't. So I was just kind of looking around on LinkedIn as I do. And 
you know, came across um, Melody and the Farm to Table team, which I know both of us are a part of, um, and just saw, you know, was looking at the website, was looking at the other folks who are based in Minnesota who were involved. And I happened to know one, two of the three um, at the time who were, who were practitioners as part of the team. And so I reached out to the two people that I knew and, um, you know, got their feedback on on being a part of that team and and you know reached out and spoke with Nicole and anyways so then you know became a part of that team just from reaching out saying how I organically came across them um my why I'm interested in being involved and um and then have really enjoyed being a part of kind of that pharmacy community even though it is all for the most part virtual um and and having you know virtual chats and whatnot, I think it's great as far as being able to be connected with like-minded individuals. So having learned as being a part of that team, you know, learning more about um, folks who have a health coaching background or clinical herbalism background or um, more in-depth functional medicine training or or clinical nutrition specialty training even, um, just very interesting, a, a neat way to network, a neat way to learn from others and hear about what they're doing. Um, and so I really have enjoyed, yeah, learning more about functional medicine through being a part of that group, attending more CEs of, um, related and focused on functional medicine. And really, you know, it, it remind, again reminds me a lot of health coaching because you're looking at from a holistic view, you're looking at the whole person for, specifically as it relates to functional medicine, you're looking at the root cause of disease rather than the symptoms of disease um, and really trying to um, figure out how those different areas of well areas of dimensions of well-being can um, impact your disease state, looking at toxins, the environment, your nutrition, your exercise, your sleep, et cetera. Um, so I just it really spoke to me when when you kind of look through that perspective and lens of functional medicine as to like what are what are how can we prevent things from getting worse? How can we prevent new diseases popping up? Um, and how can we, you know, try to halt the progression of the current diseases that we have by looking at that root cause um, and trying to uh, work backwards, so to speak. So, um, yeah, got involved. That's how I got involved. It was really just looking on LinkedIn at, at different um, at different folks and opportunities and people in kind of that non-traditional pharmacy space um, and reaching out and making connections and um and learning and being open to learning and um, knowing that not everything's perfect and that you're going to make mistakes and you're not going to know everything. And you're, um, you know, I would say my background in biochemistry probably isn't as strong as some people's on the team because I get lost when some people are presenting on various biochemical pathways because that, that is not, not my jam necessarily. Um, So, so anyways, yeah, I think, and then, you know, kind of taking what works for you, taking what you feel like you can confidently apply to your patient population and individuals you're serving and putting, you know, your own twist and spin on it as to like what you really choose to focus on or what kind of strategies and approaches you choose to take with them. You know, knowing that some functional medicine practitioners are really heavy on labs, but labs can be really expensive for people. So maybe you focus on areas of opportunity within their lifestyle that they're revealing to you that can also have that underlying um, preventative, proactive um, impact on their health um, rather than running a bunch of labs. 
Um, so, so yeah, I think it's, like I said, it's interesting to kind of learn that wide range of functional medicine and how it's practiced and different areas of focus within that, whether that's nutrition or understanding of labs or genetics or, or whatnot, hormones, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, it's been a fun journey. It's been a fun ride and I've really appreciated getting to know folks like yourself, Marina, um, as we both had stumbled across that, um, around, around the same time, probably. So. Yes, absolutely. I love the team spirit, you know, and just feeling like you're not alone. And we always have somebody to ask too for feedback and we have clinical roundtables and, and things like that available. So I also really appreciate our community and our resources. And so how have you been implementing the herbal piece of it? Because you've also completed my program. And uh, what services are you now offering? Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So through um, your program, you know, I feel more confident both in, you know, utilizing herbs for myself and my family and my children um, when appropriate. And I also feel more confident in making recommendations and explaining the why behind those recommendations um, with my, uh, when I'm doing one-to-one -one consults with individuals. So um, I primarily work with individuals with autoimmune diseases, such as multiple sclerosis and Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And I, you know, I, I find that, you know, in addition to what they're already doing for their health, um, and in addition to lifestyle changes and factors to consider, um, there are often times, um, and opportunities to recommend various supplements or herbs to help with whatever symptom or ailment is of primary concern um, at when they're when they're deciding to sign up to talk with me. So um, I've been able to, you know, also through Farm to Table, we have our full script account. So that's been really a nice way to show folks a range of products and kind of show showcase to them to, you know, there can be a wide range of costs associated with those products, even within full script. So kind of showcasing what's important to look at and what isn't maybe um, when it comes to helping them decide or or choose a product um, that that would work well for them um, and fit within their given budget. Um, so I, I would say I oftentimes um, use my herbalism knowledge in in my one to one consults when people are looking for additional ways to manage symptoms or even um, proactively kind of counteract anything that um, that might be within their environment that's within their control to control. Uh, so yeah, so that is, that's, that's what I've been um, up to what I've been able to how I've been able to incorporate it into my one to one consults with individuals and have, you know, received positive feedback, um, and appreciative feedback too from from folks who didn't know or didn't learn um, about some of those more natural remedies and natural um, products and, and knowing that that they you know are grateful to learn about it and even to like educate their doctor then about it too because you know they they are telling their doctor about changes they're making or things that they're adding um to their regimen and whatnot and um and oftentimes it's kind of i think a neat way to pass along knowledge and expertise to um other other people that are a part of their team their healthcare team 
Yeah, I love that ripple effect. And tell us about the other side of your business as far as consulting, you know, the B2B way that you have mm-hmm. also developed a knack for yeah. and like passion behind and then the how you were able to land your current job as well. Sure. Um, so yeah, so the other kind of arm of my business is to act as a a true consultant with um, startup companies who are looking to implement some sort of pharmacist-led wellness solution. So as an example, I worked with a startup company where they developed an app to connect patients and pharmacists in rural settings. And we're focusing on specific disease states. And we're really trying to create that health coaching model in an app environment um, that, again, the the health coaching was informed by the person having a pharmacy background um, to particularly, again, working with patients in rural settings where a retail pharmacy isn't on every corner and they don't have easy access to a pharmacist. Um, so really helped develop content, helped bring in um, subject matter experts, if you will, for those specific disease states and onboard them. Um, and then really just provide guidance and input on their strategy when it came to marketing um, and gaining additional funding and things like that. Um, just having had the background that I had to to be able to give input on that. Um, so yeah, that was a really, yeah, that's been a really fun experience. You know, it's interesting to, there's some other startup companies that I haven't um, been hired on with um, currently, but who, you know, I know are are in existence. And when they get to the appropriate stage, um, you know, they have my information to be able to contact me for any kind of whatever kind of level of um, work they're wanting to have on board as far as from a pharmacist consultant when creating new services, developing new products. Um, again, I really like um, I guess, serving and making an impact in that way in that startup space to be able to create solutions for identified problems or identified gaps um, and be able to help help close those gaps and, and, and create new solutions to solve, solve problems. So that is that part. And then, uh, and then my current role, so I'm currently um, the Director of Clinical Content and Resources at the National MS Society. Um, I've been a volunteer with the National MS Society ever since I was a little girl, since my mom, like I had mentioned, had been diagnosed with MS prior to me even being born. So always was involved with the walks and the bike rides and um, have sat on various committees as a young adult. Um, And I was just at a pharmacy conference here in Minneapolis last fall, and the MS Society had a booth in the expo there. So I went up and shared my business card, shared my background and my story. Um, and they had mentioned to me about this new role that was going to be developed. Um, so I kept an eye out for it on their careers webpage. And when I saw it post, you know, looked it over, um, still felt strongly that it would be a good fit for me. Um, and then applied and interviewed. And and then here I am at, at in that role currently. So I started that in January um, of this year, 2023. And it, yeah, it's been a perfect, I guess, marriage of being able to be a part of a bunch of different work teams and a creator of some of those work teams and leader of some of those work teams um, to solve different kind of questions and issues that from an organizational standpoint that the that the MS Society has identified as areas of opportunity, um, creating and developing content, 
um, working very cross-functionally with various departments, both internally and then also external stakeholders like neurologists, um, specialty pharmacists, um, looking at looking to others in, in other disease state spaces um, as opportunities to collaborate on other chronic disease states that are facing um, the same issues or same um, kind of considerations when it comes to treatment and cost of treatment and things of like that. Uh, so yeah, it's been it's been a really great a great fit and also a great way to um, serve the population that I'm passionate about serving um, at a high level, being able to touch a lot of different people's lives, knowing that a lot of folks with MS come to the National MS Society for trusted resources, um, trusted answers to their questions, getting connected with other people with MS, neurologists, etc. Um, so just, yeah, a great, a great fit for me and my passion and my strengths um, at this moment in time. Yeah, I love that. And I think what I see as a pattern for you is like flexibility, right? And just like seeing what's a good fit and not being like hard set on any one thing and just really being open to what does come your way. So I really love the story. And I, you know, I'm going to continue to follow along. And um, it sounds like there's going to be some intersections for us in the future too, Sarah. So um, I want to thank you so much for your time today. And if you just have one more minute, I'd love to do a rapid fire round. Okay, sure. Yeah. Okay. So what's the number one uh, takeaway or advice you can give somebody to improve their quality of life right now? Oh, that's a good question. I would say number one takeaway would be thinking about what is currently within your control now and what is the smallest of smallest steps that you could take to get to where you want to be within that given area of your life. Um, so just really thinking small, drilling down and know, you know, what's one thing that you know that you can't fail at, at accomplishing. And that'll help capitulate you forward when you have one success under your belt with that tiny thing, that tiny habit change or whatever it might be. Um, that'll help you know, that success builds upon success. So then you can continue to dive deeper and create more and more um, robust small steps, if you will, to get you towards that goal in that specific area. Yeah, I love that. And obviously you've demonstrated that in today's interview. So number two is, what would you say to pharmacists as like, what is their su biggest superpower maybe that they could be using to get to where they want to go? Yeah, I think, you know, as a pharmacist with, you know, all the knowledge that you have and with all of kind of the, the promise and the, the ability to problem solve and think, analyze and think things through, um, th those are really great, again, qualities that can be tr transferable into any sort of setting. So really thinking outside of the box, you know, especially if you you know, are someone who tends to maybe get bored with something or you don't like monotony or you want to be a, a part of something bigger than um, bigger than yourself or, or bigger than any kind of one pigeonhole thing. I think that you can really showcase your skills, showcase your knowledge, um, showcase your abilities. And I would say continue to understand 
you know, become very self-aware of what your strengths are, you know, utilizing different tools like StrengthsFinder, like the DISC assessment, like the M-Code assessment. I mean, there's a ton of different assessments like that in the world. But I think the more that you know about yourself and the more um, language and verbiage you can give to, you know, you can, you can understand and utilize when you're showcasing your talents and sharing your skills and strengths, um, the better off you are because you understand at your core, irrespective of being a pharmacist, you know, what you can contribute no matter kind of what setting you're in, you know, even on your, your, your kid's PTO board or whatever, you know what your skills are and how they can be best utilized. Um, and that can really open up doors for you because then you do see opportunities when you see um, job postings or learn of jobs that you were like, huh, I wouldn't have thought of a pharmacist filling that role, but why not? As far as, um, you know, that you can utilize your skills and your strengths in ways that you, um, that you wouldn't otherwise normally think about, which can be exciting and a really a great, um, I guess, promising thing to be able to open up doors and know that if, you know, whatever you originally came into pharmacy school thinking, if you were going to be a retail pharmacist or pharmacist in a clinic or what have you, um, just realizing there's a lot of opportunities out there and you don't have to feel pigeonholed. You don't have to feel stuck. And if you do start to feel stuck, you know, exploring those other um, positions and jobs that could be utilizing your skills in a new and different and exciting way. Wow. It goes back to the why not question. I love that. And it's leaning into the strengths of your personality and skills instead of focusing on like, okay, what's missing? What don't I have? And all of that. So I love that advice. Um, now for some fun questions. What wow. is something that is surprising and many people don't know about you? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, Hmm, I would say, um, that's a very good question. Well, I don't know. This is really a random um, response, but it came to me. Um, so when I was in high school, so my dad's very into cars. So he collects cars and works on um, old cars for people. So that maybe that's why this came to my mind. But um, when I was in high school, my dad took my friends and I, who all went to prom, um, to prom in his 1952 Buick limousine. So that was kind of neat. We we got to ride around in that to dinner and to the prom afterwards. And so um, I guess I would say my love for like old antique, not necessarily cars, but old antique things like my house was built in 1912. Um, and it has just cool, it's a craftsman style, um, home. And so just the cool way that windows and doors are, were made back then that they don't make, they don't make them like that now. Um, I feel like, I guess, just all of that cool old antique, um, vibe that I like, um, but also modernizing it a bit. Um, comes from really both my parents. They both were into antiques. So I guess in a, in a circulative, you know, in a, a weird way, um, circulative way, that, that would be a, a, a random fact that I, I like old things, but putting a modern twist on them. And I love design and things of that nature. Oh, I love that. And herbalism fits right in there, if I may add. So yeah. um, the, the, a timeless, you know, quality yeah, exactly, that they bring. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. All right, Sarah. Well, this was so fun. Thank you so much for shedding some insight and um, your wisdom with us today. 
So um, lastly, just tell people how they can get in touch with you, learn more about your work and support you. Yes. So um, yes, you can visit my website, which is um, www.thriverxmnconsulting.com. And so that would be one way to get in touch with me. I'm also on LinkedIn um, under Sarah Shore Anderson. Um, And then I also have um, an Instagram account, drsarah.thriverx. So those would be kind of my main handles and uh, social media and web content um, that you can take a look at. And there's a a link to um, schedule with me or meet up with me on my website as well. Okay, perfect. So I'll provide all those links in the show notes. And I'm wishing you a great day ahead, Sarah. Yes, you too, Marina. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you learned something new from it, I'd love if you could leave us a five-star review and share it with a friend who might love it too. You can find me on any of the podcast and social media platforms by looking up Holistic Pharmacist or Dr. Marina Booksov. Thank you for your support and see you next time.